0: Hi everybody, I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. I got to tell you, with another tremendous tournament out in the desert, first one for a while in a couple of years. Of course, they had the tournament last October, which uh, was played to sort of sparse crowds for the most part. The tournament deciding to hold the tournament last year. Of course, they couldn't have it at its normal time in the spring of 2021. So it was great to be back as I was for a couple of days at the tournament. I was doing some work for BNP Paribas, which uh, of course is a sponsor of the tournament and also sponsors our tennis academy, the John McEnroe Tennis Academy at Randall's Island and a couple other locations in the New York area. So part of our deal with BNP is to bring a couple of kids out, which we did that first weekend. My brother John made an appearance there for that, and I came out for a couple of days there towards the end of the tournament to uh, help out with BNP Paribas' top clients there, which they bring in many from uh, all over the world, particularly from Southern, Northern California, and a lot really from just all over the country. Not as many Europeans as they normally have, uh, but a lot more people back in the crowd, in the stands at the tournament. It was awesome to see, uh, and it was just a tremendous tournament overall with Taylor Fritz, the young American, winning his first Masters title, being the first American to win out in the desert on the men's side since Andre Agassi did it, I believe that was in 2001. So Rafael Nadal clearly having some issues with uh, something of it looked like in one of his side stomach mu- muscles or maybe he looked like, Kind of looked like one of those things where the ribs got locked up. Uh, He was clearly having a lot of trouble just breathing. He said he felt a wincing pain uh, every time he took a breath. So that's normally something uh, going on in that area. Of course, he had played some very tough matches, did Nadal, leading into the championship match. None tougher than really just an unbelievable semifinal win over the young Spaniard. Is he the heir to the throne? Uh, I believe he may be. Is he going to win 21 majors? That's another question. That, of course, is young Carlos Alcaraz, who uh, won the second set against Nadal, uh, and then Nadal was able to win it in the third set. Six games to three. Tremendous win picked up in the middle of that match. Rafael was able to handle that a little bit better. Uh, but I, as I've said before, I've posted this on Twitter recently. I think Carlos Alcaraz is the next great, great player. Yes, we've got some really, really good ones out there at the moment uh Daniel Medvedev went out early in the tournament uh he loses his number 1 ranking because of that so Novak Djokovic retakes the number 1 spot but I don't think there's any doubt that this year thus far in 2022 it's been Rafael Nadal who's been the best male player on tour in fact that was the first loss he suffered in that championship match against Taylor Fritz let's give the American a ton of credit as well he fought through some tough three setters it was in the quarters that went the distance, a long one in the round before that uh, against Diminor. That went to a third set tiebreak. So did his, just his second match. Remember, we got a bye, did Fritz, won his first match easily. Then he took on Munar, another Spaniard. won that in a third set tiebreak. After beating Diminor, then Ketsmanovic, then in the semifinals, was a very solid straight set win over uh, Rublev who is having one of the best, probably the second best year of anyone at the moment when you look at his results over the course of 2022. He beat Dimitrov along the way. He beat Herkacz. He beat Tiafa. It was good to see Francis come back, get a win over Nakashima. Uh, And of course, we should mention that uh, it was another young American, Sebastian Quarter, who very nearly took Nadal down early in the tournament and uh, actually served for the match twice in the final setting, which was Rafa's first match of the tournament, Corda had won his first round match over Kokonakis and had Nadal just on the ropes, uh, served for the match twice. Of course, Rafa stepped up, as he always does. Corda having a couple of issues now in some of his matches, trying to shut the door, trying to close down some some wins, some top players. I think he'll get there. I've, I've seen some comments of maybe people being a little bit worried about that, but I think Corda you know he's a he's I think he's the best of uh, the young Americans uh, as far as potential goes. Although I think Opelka at the moment, uh, extremely dangerous as well in the big tournaments. He Opelka went out to Nadal as well. That was in the quarters and two tie breaks. I really love the way Opelka is coming into his own. I hope you got to hear him on this podcast on holding court uh, right before the tournament started for him. He gave a great. Podcast. Sorry, I guess there were a couple of sound issues with um, his connection on his cell phone, but it was still great to hear him being outspoken, talking about his training regimen. So he had a solid tournament, taking out Muzetti, taking out Shapovalov, which was a great win for him in three sets. And then Nadal was able to get him in that, uh, I think it was around a 16 match. And Curios had a nice. Event as well, uh, his first tournament since the Australian. Of course, he won the doubles down under with Kokanakis. He had a couple of solid wins. Uh, first round, he beat Baez, Argentine four and zero. Then he beat Delbonis two and two. Nothing surprising about those wins, but it was how he won them comfortably. Then he took out Casper um, uh, Ruud, who was the eight seed. Uh, four and four. And if you'll if you remember, if you follow tennis closely, those two had a little back and forth on uh, social media a couple of years ago. I think that was right early on in the pandemic where Kyrgios sort of called them out. Rude called him out. Uh, so Kyrgios won that, then got a walkover from Sinner who uh, he was due to play in the round of 16. So that ups- that set up the Curios-Nadal match, which had a lot of buzz, understandably, in the desert. Uh, Rafa able to win it in another tight match, 7-6, 5-7, and 6-4 in the final set. So you combine that match, you combine the Alcaraz win. Obviously, Nadal is talking about his, his foot being an issue off and on. That was why he missed the second half of last year. Uh, he did win Acapulco, if you remember, uh, just a couple of week, a week or 10 days or so before he took to the court in Indian Wells. Uh, loves to get his golf in out there with his team. By the way, the only reason Carlos Moya, I'm told, does not come, you know, he's got the team of coaches. He's got a um, Roig, who's a buddy of mine from Spain, who's been part of the team even when Uncle Tony was there. Sort of, uh, I don't even want to call him the secondary coach. You know, he's got a bunch of coaches that, that travel with him. He's got his trainer, obviously. He's got his manager, Carlos Costa. Well, I guess the reason Moya doesn't come to the desert, amongst others, is that he doesn't play golf. And Rafa uh, loves to play golf. He loves his boat and he loves to golf. And he does a lot of golfing, I'm told, uh, in the lead up to the tournament and on his off days uh, out in the desert and uh, practices early morning and, and then early in the evening again so he can get a full 18. I don't know how this, guy, this guy's This guy got so much energy. It's just amazing. But clearly caught up to him. He had already decided, did Nadal not to play uh, in Miami, which is getting underway momentarily down In Florida, James Blake, of course, the tournament director of that one. So we wish him the best. But now this is his second or third straight year. Well, of course, they didn't have it a couple of years ago, but the second straight year, no Djokovic, no Federer. No Nadal, so that's uh, not easy uh, in selling tickets. I mean, they'll do well down there. I think uh, it's it's a very popular tournament, and of course, you've got the now Fritz with the win. You've got the other good young Americans. You've got Medvedev, the top seed. You've got Sitsapass. Sitzepass a little disappointing, um, you know, losing to Brooksby the way he did, and then not really giving Brooksby a ton of credit, which uh, wasn't great uh, after Brooksby beat him one six six three six two, and then Brooksby got pounded by Nori. And Nori, of course, who won this tournament last year, Cam Nori, uh, when it was played in October, he played Basilashvili early. Remember, they played in the final last year. That went the distance again, although Nori won it easily in the third 6-1. Then Nori played Brooksby. I believe that was the first... Ma- uh, did he play that on the center court? I think he did. That was his first match he played, I think, on center. And then I was actually in the crowd... For his match with Alcaraz, which he got off to an early break, but Alcaraz got back in and won it pretty comfortably. 6-4, 6-3. Six four six three. That was a night match. That was in the quarterfinal. So it was a good result for Nori. He was a little peeved that he didn't get on uh, one of the main show courts. Of course, pretty much all the, sh- the courts are show courts. I mean, that's what Larry Ellison has done out in the desert. I mean, even the even Stadium three and four are great courts. But I think he was a little miffed being the defending champ. But if you look at the schedule of who was on court those days that Nori was playing, little hard to argue from a popularity standpoint that he. Uh, deserved to be on one of those show courts ahead of some of the players uh, that he was playing at the same time with, where, the, you know, Kyrgios and Nadal, these guys on the same side of the draw. Malfis, Al Karaz. Monfils had the win over Medvedev, who looked uh, pretty irritated. And you can understand for the Russian players, uh, you know, having to deal with what's going on back in their country, the Ukrainian players. Of course, Malfice married to Elena Svitolina, who's been the top Ukrainian player for years. So that's just a nightmare situation in general, in the world, what's going on over there. Obviously the tennis players, uh, don't not dealing with that, but they are dealing with the fact, at least the Russian players and the Ukrainian players, uh, you know, families over there in that part of the world. Um, it's just, uh, it's just scary. I did a couple of pods on that. I did a little CNN hit on, uh, uh, some UK official, I guess, a sports minister saying that Medvedev should have to disavow Putin to be able to play Wimbledon, which is absurd that any, any player of any nationality would have to do that. So I don't think that will happen. Uh, and by the way, I am hearing, uh, that they will have, have having lifted all most of the, uh, precautions, uh, as far as vaccine goes getting into France, uh, The rules and regulations there are changing, so it sounds like Novak Djokovic will be able to play in Monte Carlo, which, of course, is governed by French law uh, in a couple of weeks. That's the first big clay court tournament, which he's won before, uh, and, of course, the French Open. Somewhat up in the air whether or not Djokovic will be able to play in Spain, which has a big tournament in Madrid, and, of course, the Italian Open in Rome in Italy uh, about the, the protocols and the restrictions for unvaccinated people getting into those countries. So that was why Djokovic, he wanted to come and play at the BNP Paribas. He wanted to come and play in Miami, uh, but the U S government not allowing that. So we didn't have that same kind of fiasco that we had down in Australia. Thank goodness. So it was a great win. Uh, Taylor Fritz, uh, Absolutely amazing that he was able to pull this off. Of course, he's, for those of you that don't know, grew up pretty close to Palm Springs in the San Diego area. So he's got a a lot of his family and friends out there in the desert. I was impressed watching him. I watched the match courtside against Ketsmanovich and, uh, you know, he didn't play great in that match, but I'll tell you the thing that Fritz does well. Obviously, he's got a great serve. His technique is is sound off both wings he's not the most explosive mover, but boy he's worked extremely hard on that to where you can see he you know he can dig himself out of some points that you don't think he should win uh, and he's just rock solid I mean the guy makes very few mistakes if you hit the ball in his strike zone if you don't have him on the run it's pretty rare that he makes an unforced error off a ball that that he can hit comfortably. Uh, and so he's kind of found that balance of being aggressive because it's certainly against the top players, he's got to be aggressive. He's got to take his shots when he can, which he's been doing. His backhand is just money. I mean, he doesn't. he's not as powerful on the backhand as he is on the forehand. He'll make a few more errors on the forehand side, but that backhand is absolute money. Just rarely, if ever, makes an unforced error on that ball. Speaking of not making too many unforced errors off the ground, Iga Swiatek, the Polish player. What well, boy was she impressive? Winning the title over Sakari, Sakari, however you want to pronounce it. She now Sakari is up to three in the world. Sviantek up to two in the world, and it was all Sviantek in that championship match. Just too, They're both so athletic, but when Sviantek gets hot, I mean, she's almost unbeatable. 1-0 and over Keys, that was in the quarters. Tight one against Simona Halep, who had a very nice run for hers. her. you know, She's seated 24 at this tournament, which is just amazing how far she fell. Of course, a lot of that due to injuries suffered last year, but it was good to see her coming back. Uh, and making that run. She beat Coco Gauff, uh, who has you know, stagnated a little bit. She was seated 16 out there. Halep won that comfortably, three and four. Radikanu got a win over Garcia in three, but then lost a long one to Marchic uh, 7-5 in the third. Martich then... Lost to Halep, got blown out by Halep actually in the semis, one and one. Uh, um, that was a quarter. Sorry, Sviantek. I'm just going through the rest of her results. She did lose a couple of sets early uh, in her earlier rounds. Got Kalinina. Well, she's from Ukraine actually. I better get her name right. And Helena Kalinina. Okay, won the first set over Sviantek, seven five, and then it was zero and one. Then she played Towson, uh, Clara Towson from Denmark, who's one of the big hitters, another good up and coming player. Lost to first there, did Sviantek 7 6, then easily 2 and 1. So her athleticism is off the charts. Kerber then was next for her, which also went 3 4, 6, 2 and 3. And then she just, as I said, blew out Madison Keys, who had a couple of nice wins to get to the quarters, but just didn't show up against Sviantek. Uh, the bottom half had, you know, Bedosa, who'd had the won the title. That was sort of her big breakthrough, winning it last year in October. She had another good run this year, making it through to the semifinals, beat Layla Fernandez, the other teenager who made that U.S. Open final, who's, you know, doing pretty well. She's consistently winning matches. Uh, Anissa Mova had multiple match points against her uh, early in the tournament. Fernandez was able to, I think she fought off five match points in the second set, one at 7-6, and then Anissa Mova just kind of broke down and said... I guess she said she was sick afterwards. Looked to me like she just couldn't handle what was happening and left the court. Uh, Of course, she was... being helped, being coached by Darren Cahill in Australia. Darren came over and was working with her in the lead up to this tournament, uh, and then pulled the plug on it. Darren did tell me, just as what he told the rest of the press, was that he just burned out, uh, wanted to just kind of reset, go back home. He's had to deal with a lot of quarantine issues, getting in and out of Australia. He's got a, he's got his family back there, uh, and it sounds like I guess he just sort of hit the wall mentally himself. Whether or not there was more to that. He's not letting on. You know, there may be, may not. Who knows? Uh, so that, anyway, that's what happened with Anissa Mova, Fernandez. But Dosa then lost to Sakari in a, in a. you know, again, you're seeing these athletic young women really start to, to, to make their way in women's tennis. That was six two four six six one. 2 4 had also had a couple of straight set wins along the way. Kvitova early. Uh, so she is rock solid. Uh, At the moment. And that moves her up, as I said, to number three in the world. Sviantec moving to number two. Of course, Ash Barty uh, staying at one. Uh, When will we see her again? I'm guessing at some point on the European clay. So disappointment for American women just in general. Uh, You know, we've talked about for so many years how it's the American women, uh, you know, uh, battling for major titles or at least being ranked uh, up in the top 10, not happening. At the moment, Anissa Mova taking a little bit of a step back. Coco Goff, she is where she is. You know, we've seen some, obviously, Keyes had a good Australian Open, pretty decent here. Sloane Stevens, you know, Jessica Pagula uh, maxing out, I think, on what she can do. do. Um, Jennifer Brady still out with injuries. Of course, she had such a phenomenal year last year. Serena, we don't know if, if and when we're going to see her again. Venus, same issues there. Uh, I would guess that we'll, we'll hope, hopefully see them at some point uh, in the spring, whether it's on the clay, whether it's leading into Wimbledon, who knows? Uh, but we shall see. So it was a great BNP Paribas Open. Thanks to them again for sponsoring us at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. We appreciate they give funds for us to be able to spread out to our top kids at the academy that normally wouldn't be able to afford um, all that they get and all that they need to become high-level tennis players. Uh, of course, we got our own charity there as well, the Johnny Mac Tennis Project. Uh, we raise funds for that. And by the way, we have our big comedy night April 6th. So you could go to jmtp.org and you could look that up. Myself and my bro will be there at Caroline's in New York City. That's where we raise funds uh, for our JMTP for our kids that are on scholarship at our tennis academy. Hope you all enjoyed it. Miami should be another great tournament as well. And I'm hoping to get my buddy, Mr. Brad Gilbert, to join me here on holding court. We all we'll, we we'll do what we do over text all the time, which is we break down the Americans and the, especially the American men. We like to do that over text. Who's got the best chance to uh, who, who is the best chance to win a major out of them? That'll be one of the questions. And who do we think will end up as the number one ranked American? Of course, right now it's Taylor Fritz. It was Opelka before the tournament started which American man will end up ranked, will be the number one ranked player at the end of 2022. That will be next on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.